Welcome to Carry the Light. I'm your host, Carrie Alexander. During your time here, we'll explore all things positive to brighten up your day and light up the world around you. We'll talk to regular folks about doing extraordinary things, hear fantastic stories, get a little creative in the world of happiness, and learn how you can change the world. Now sit back and relax. Let's carry the light. woman is like a tea bag. You never know how strong she is until she gets in hot water. Eleanor Roosevelt. I love that quote and it's perfect for today because we are talking about women who serve in the military. After all, today is Veterans Day and I'd like to send a special thank you to all the men, women, and families who serve. You keep us free. You keep us safe. Thank you for your sacrifice, your strength, and your patriotism. Today on Carry the Light, we will talk to documentarian and philanthropist Lisa Heslop. She is using her time and talent to shed light on issues most of us didn't even know about. We'll talk to her about her award-winning documentary, Served Like a Girl, and her organization, Children Mending Hearts, How Empathy Can Save the World. Stay with us. She joins us next on Carry the Light. Welcome to the Miss Veteran America competition. We're part of something bigger than ourselves. Miss Veteran America is a voice. We are not second class veterans. We are not damsels in distress. We are warriors. Hi Lisa, what a compelling story. I mean, there's so much to talk about. But first off, I'm sure everyone is curious about Miss Veteran America. That competition is what lured you into this documentary. So can you tell us about it? How did it get started? It's such an incredible story. Yes. So I heard about Miss Veteran America by a friend of mine who's a journalist who had spent a lot of time with combat veterans in Afghanistan. And she was telling me there was this competition called Miss Veteran America. So when I started researching it, I found out that it was founded by a woman who had served in the army. She was just about to be sent to Iraq and she was diagnosed stage three cancer. And she ended up being a rising star in the military to being given her DD-214 and being discharged because of her cancer diagnosis. And she couldn't get welfare. She had a very difficult time with the VA and she ended up living in her car with her son. And so she decided to start this organization called Miss Veteran America to raise awareness for the plight of homeless female veterans. Because I think when you think about homeless veterans, you know, your mind automatically goes to Uh, you know, a man possibly with PTSD pushing a shopping cart. You don't think about all the women who come back from war zones who are single mothers or, uh, you know, have suffered abuse and they end up homeless and they have no resources. We started doing this research. We discovered like less than 12% of women actually go to the VA for help because I think they feel like their voices won't be heard and they feel a certain amount of shame. And so that's how I got involved. And then 
you know, really just thought that it would make a great movie, a great documentary to tell the story of five of these combat veterans who compete for the title of Miss Veteran America. It is so incredible just watching their competition, like footage of them in the competition itself. Some people are missing a limb. Some people have other wounds that you don't see physically, but these women are strong. They're doing push-ups. So, you know, some of the judges are, are like drill sergeants, but they're inspirational drill sergeants. And it's such a powerful message. And when I talk about some of the contestants themselves, the women that you followed, and you yeah. got to know their personal stories. What surprised you about them or what stood out to you about their journey? I think that it's totally my issue, but I <laughs> feel like I always associated women in the military with sort of very sort of like brutish and strong and because I'd never really known women who served in the military growing up. Mm-hmm. And what I found out was how incredibly strong they were and physically and mentally but also how incredibly beautiful and sexy and vulnerable they were. And I think that to me was a surprise that they did, you know, they were women and they did share this. Yeah, that was one thing. Seeing them, I believe one contestant had on this beautiful sequin gown and combat boots. And I was like, it symbolizes so much. And I like you hadn't thought of them in a traditional feminine sense which is strange being a woman and looking at and having that realization. But the documentary really opens our eyes to some of the things you just talked about, about that transition from active service to civilian life. These women are dealing with a host of things from medical issues, injuries, PTSD, broken families, like you said, trauma. What kind of support do they need? You mentioned there's a lack of services that are female specific. Have they done anything to try to rectify this or what types of programs are they looking for? I think it's gotten better. I think once people have realized that women do fight in combat and they do go, you know, they are on the front lines, I think the support systems are growing. But I think to send a woman and a man for that matter to boot camp for three and a half to five months and then when they leave the military to give them a week to transition is setting these people up for failure. And I think that, you know, it's also been very difficult in terms of gender-based violence because if a woman is sexually abused or assaulted or harassed in the military, her career is over. And the person that she's complaining to or the person that she's, you know, that's harassing her or abusing her is usually her superior. So I've been very, very difficult. And so I think that it's getting better. But I think that when you think about PTSD and you think about coming home and you think about transitioning and helping them with job searches and EMDR therapy and cognitive therapy and support services, it's always been associated with men. It's never been associated with women. And women have been fighting in combat since the Revolutionary War. You know, women would put on male soldiers' uniforms and go out and pick up a bazooka or a musket or whatever it was, and they'd go out and fight for our country. So I think that, I think it's changing. I do think it's changing, and I feel it. You know, I feel that the change is coming, but I think it was a long time coming. 
Yeah, when I watch the documentary and the women that you follow, it's almost as if the documentary itself was almost like medicine or a healing journey for some of these women. I see things reconciled in their lives that they may have been battling for years or a lifelong journey. Uh, there's, a, you know, one of the women her relationship with her mother or their lack thereof and that support and, and reconnecting there or another woman whose father was murdered and uh, it had never been solved and all the issues. So it is amazing to see they're dealing with, you know, regular quote life dramas on top of everything that they brought from their time. Yeah. So what was like, you know, taking this journey with these women, could you see a transformation happened? Have you seen a way that the documentary has helped maybe these women or other women in the military? Absolutely. I mean, I think it was cathartic. And, you know, to my detriment or to, I don't know whether it's it's good or bad for me, it's a really positive thing. I'm still incredibly close with all of them. But if you, when you talk about Hope Garcia, the first woman you talked about who reunited with her mother after not speaking to her for five years, you know, we found out that she, her mother wanted to reunite with her and their family had experienced decades of abuse. And sadly, after filming, Hope's mother was murdered by her boyfriend, uh, domestic abuse. And Hope had two children. And from the experience of the documentary, reuniting with her mother and really having this group of women that she could bond with and that would have her back and be her battle buddy she was really able to break the cycle of that family of abuse. And as now, you know, she's teaching, she's doing massage, she's teaching, she's graduated from college, she's raising her sons, she stopped the cycle of abuse. And Nicole, Nicole went back, you know, whose father was murdered, it was a cold case murder, worked on it with her for two years. They finally arrested the people that murdered her father. She went back to school. Her life has changed. And, you know, just to see how these women have grown through this experience has, you know, changed me <laughs> because it's just so, I'm just, I, you know, I can't, they're just so resilient and so strong. And I'm just so happy that they had a positive experience because they are role models in a way. Oh, definitely. Oh. I, I could see a light click on in their eyes and their soul of more confidence, not just in like their duty or what they're capable of, but from their inner self. You can see a new inner strength emerge as they go through this journey. And uh, and I've had the, the beautiful moments of meeting with a couple of them. And you yeah. really can see how their confidence has been built and how they want to share their healing with other people. And it's just been a powerful journey. But that's not all you have done with um, Serve Like a Girl. You are busy with lots of other philanthropic endeavors. And I want to talk to you about that as well. But before we switch over to Children Mending Hearts, if people would like to watch Serve Like a Girl, how can they do so? Serve Like a Girl, I think it's kind of everywhere. I think it's on Apple and Prime and Hulu. So you can get streaming everywhere. We were very lucky that um, it did so well and, you know, premiered on PBS and then, but now it's kind of on all the streaming services. And then if you want to get involved with female veterans, I highly recommend Final Salute. It's the organization that Major Jazz Booth, she's now a major, 
<laughs> jazz wow. boots started after her bout with cancer. Yeah. What an impressive woman. I mean, she really yeah. is. And she the, really, yeah. Yeah. It's very inspirational to all of us. So yeah. uh, we'll stay with this. We're going to spark it up with Lisa Heslob with Children Mending Hearts next. Welcome back. It's easy to spark it up about homeschooling while you're trying to work from home. It can be so frustrating. But what do families do that don't have the resources you need to educate online? Lisa Haslov has been working with kids in Watts, California, making sure that they have food and what they need to learn. So Lisa, tell us what Children Mending Hearts has been doing during the pandemic. Well, Children Mending Hearts was originally founded to teach empathy through the arts to children. And I think what happened for us when COVID hit was one, we had to take all of our classes online. So we had to start a, a Zoom curriculum for all of our after school students. But then what we noticed was I was starting to get calls from friends. I had gotten a call from one of my girlfriends and she said, you know, the Watts community is really getting hit by COVID. They don't have money for fruit and vegetables. They're not getting a stimulus check. They don't, you know, they're living on raw and these kids are suffering. Is there anything you can do? And so we made a pivot towards doing empathetic gestures towards the community. So what started one week, we had, I had four of my girlfriends go down with four SUVs full of fruit and vegetables. 22 weeks later, evolved into over 150 volunteers food, clothing. Jessica Seinfeld got involved. She donated feminine hygiene products, Tampax, diapers, wipes. The Honest Company, Jessica Alba got involved. She donated products for children, for families. Local farmers got involved. It would be, would be looking and semi-trucks would be pulling up every week to feed these families in Watts who were suffering so badly. And to see the change in the community and see the difference between a child who hadn't been eating properly and to go 22 weeks later and to see them smiling and to see the color in their eyes change and to see them walking tall and feeling proud. And, and it really just affected me in a way that I've never been affected before. I was just so moved and I was not only moved by the families because we were feeding 2,300 families a week at one point, but it was by the empathy and the compassion of all the volunteers because where we were working in Imperial Court is the most dangerous part of Los Angeles. There are, I think, you know, 7,000 gang members within a two mile radius. Mm. So, and it was also, you know, it's also in the middle of a pandemic. So these volunteers were risking their lives going down every week to make sure that this community was uh, taken care of. And I'll just share a small story with you. You know, we got a donation from a TV show of an entire wardrobe of clothing. So we had 50 racks of brand new clothing to give out to the community. And this one mother, I think she was a mother of five, came up and she picked out this beautiful dress for herself. And she started crying and she said, I can now look for a job. I have a dress. I have a beautiful dress and I feel beautiful. And I just thought, that's it. 
That's you know, so that's what this is all about. Do you think part of it is it's not just the items that they receive that I've found with work throughout time. It's just knowing somebody cares, people are showing up. Do you think that's one of the reasons uh, these kids are walking taller and feeling better that they, they feel like they're, there are people out there who care about them, which is the key of empathy, trying to understand what another person is going through. Um, Of course. Of course. And I think that, you know, for us, it was to watch that change was also transfer transformational for us. And I think the community started to feel lifted. And so while we were doing this during COVID, we were hearing, you know, that, with child abuse was going up exponentially. Like there were a lot of kids in Watts, some kids that didn't have the iPad, so they couldn't learn. And so what was born out of our Watts Wednesdays, which we started a school down in Watts, Children Mending Hearts. And so we teach school every day and we got iPads donated. We have an outdoor area, which is completely been, you know, approved by the uh, CDC and we're following all the guidelines. So these children have a place to go every day and learn. And just seeing, you know, the school's been open for a month and seeing the just the reading comprehension of these children has gone up exponentially. And so it really is, you know, I do believe if you lift a community and you give them better choices and better options, everything changes. Well, you've definitely seen it firsthand. And you talked a little bit earlier about how you started teaching empathy through art. And one of the projects I was involved with you many years ago, I went to Nicaragua as an ambassador for uh, CMH, and I took cameras. You guys gave me cameras, and I had the girls in Nicaragua take pictures of what was important to them. And then I had the girls of the youth group I work with here in the United States take pictures of what was important to them. And then they switched photos to try to understand each other's lives better. Well, the first noticeable thing for me when I was in Nicaragua, you know, I'm in a school which consists of, you know, a tin roof and some beam poles, basically. And that's it. There are no walls, you know, but it's a little shelter from the rain. But they were, first of all, thrilled to have a camera, to be able to see this digital camera and to use it. But when they came back and we were reviewing their photos on the computer, which again was just magical in the moment. I mean, the girls were just transfixed, was they consistently took a picture of a mud puddle. And Mm -hmm. I was curious why this mud puddle, every single one of them. And so when I had them explain their pictures, it was told to us basically that that mud puddle was from a well that missionaries were digging on top of the hill. And once they had that well and water there, they could stop walking five miles every day with buckets to go get water, and they would have more time for school. And that was just so eye-opening to me. And then the kids back in the United States, when I showed them the pictures and we discussed it and I told them the story behind, all of a sudden it opened their eyes to things that they took for granted. And then they took a bucket of water and they tried to carry it a quarter of a mile and couldn't make it. It was so heavy and how much time it took. And it's those things that help them understand a little bit more about, as you said before, the people down in Nicaragua, but then it also was transformative for themselves in learning to appreciate what they had. Um, 
Absolutely. And I know you do this with your kids, but you know, half of our volunteers were young kids and they had never been to Watts before. Mm-hmm. They had never experienced this before. They had never met hungry children and sick children. And it was eye-opening for them and humbling for these kids who've grown up with privilege. And it is important. And, you know, I think your project was so beautiful and it really does, you know, you realize that how grateful you you are for your life, but sometimes you don't see it when you're in your bubble, but when you get out of it and you see like what kids do in Nicaragua, it really makes you have empathy and compassion and really understand that, you know, your life is not as bad as it seems, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. It's all perspective. And you know, the other thing that I hadn't thought of when I went down, you know, I, I paint, I love art. It's how I express myself. So again, I took for granted, but you using art as a gateway was huge because I speak very little Spanish. But I didn't have to because they were taking pictures and we could communicate through drawing or pictures or art. So it does open up gateways that I hadn't considered before until I was there and communication was a little bit more trying for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's amazing. Yeah. So Children Mending Hearts, you have grown so much in the last few years. I'm just amazed. So what do you uh, look for in the future, uh, even now during the crazy pandemic times? As you said, you've pivoted. You're doing things you never had dreamt about before. What are your goals? What do you see for the future? Well, you know, I never thought we would have our own school, which is amazing. I do believe we have a turnkey program for schools, which is a toolbox which I believe we are now in all 50 states. But I do think that empathy needs to be integrated into every curriculum in every school in every country and should be taught and even integrated into every subject. Because I think now, today, more than ever, empathy is so vitally important and really to teach children at a young age what it means to be an empathetic global citizen. So my goal is, you know, to open more schools in at-risk areas and to continue to deliver our program to schools all over the country. Because I think, especially now that, you know, teen suicide is going up and the numbers of kids committing suicide at uh, their ages is going down, it's a very frightening time. And I think, you know, now more than ever, like I think five years ago, Children Mending Hearts was ahead of its time because I would tell people, what do you do? Well, I teach empathy through the arts. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) Right, Um, right, yeah. And now it's like become as vital as sustenance, you know, it's food, water, medicine. It's just become very vital to teach children, you know, how how to be empathetic towards each other and to resist bullying and to resist taking somebody down on social media and to resist those impulses because they have set the consequences can be really tragic. Yeah. We never know what they're dealing with on home at home on top of everything else that's going on in every person's life, but to have empathy and to just think about how it might impact them for a second may stop you from doing something you regret. So if people wanted to uh, support children mending hearts or get involved, yeah. how do they do that? 
So go on our website, and if you want to donate, we would love it. <laughs> we need yeah. to pay up teachers and keep our school running. It's so important. But also for people that like to give things, like I'm one of those people, uh, we have we have a wish list of things that we need for our school. We're constantly needing new books. Reading is a big part of our curriculum. We're needing you know water and supplies. So we do have a wish list in an Amazon registry, which I think is so amazing because we can get the supplies right to the kids and the family. We're about to do a Halloween carnival. So we have a list on our website because we want the kids to have a wonderful Halloween because it's very unlikely a lot of kids are going to be trick-or-treating this year. So we've got lots going on. So I would just visit our website and figure out what you feel comfortable with. And, and, and if you want to bring your, our program to your schools or to your after school programs, we will give you our toolbox free of charge. (laughs) I think that's a great idea. I think it's uh, perfect, especially in this time, as you stated before. So thanks Lisa. And I can't wait to see your next uh, docu-series that you'll have out soon. You're a tremendous storyteller and really help shed light on things we didn't even know that was occurring in the world. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa. For more on how you can support Children Mending Hearts, go to carrythelight.com. Now it's time for your moment of light. the flames burning homes and businesses out west. Some have already rebuilt once and yet again their homes were destroyed by fire. In Louisiana, still recovering from the last hurricane, they get hit again and again and again. Sometimes it just seems like it's too much. We all have our own worries and fears, tough times we're going through, but we still pick ourselves up and lend a hand to those in need. This week, I watched kids and neighbors gather what they could in the form of supplies to ship to the hurricane victims. And that same group put together a box full of teddy bears with little t-shirts that read, Hugs from Florida, we're praying for you. That box is headed to children misplaced from their homes due to fire. Somehow, helping others can help heal ourselves. And for those who are just surrounded by darkness, it gives hope that there's a bright light around the corner. Have a great week. And remember to carry the light. Coming up next time on Carry the Light, the greatest female golfer of all time teases up with tips on how to work with your husband at home during quarantine. Annika Sornstam navigates kids and sports and how to strive for success in life. Plus, don't forget to nominate that amazing person you know lighting up lives for our Illuminator Award. Details are on carrythelight.com. Check it out. For more information on how you can carry the light, follow us on Instagram at carrythelight underscore now or check out our website, carrythelight.com. I'd love to hear from you.